You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Rupee Doll digs in for all she has, and she has the left to win it! Rupee Doll did it again! Hello, friends. Welcome to Auxiliary Gate Podcast number 76. I'm CC Broadus, joined as always by my pal Alan Schneider. Alan, how you doing? I'm good. Breeders' Cup is nearing. It's getting closer and closer. And it's always an exciting time this year. The pre-entries drop today. I've yet to parse through them properly. But uh, once those PPs come get out and we finish this up, I may have to, may have to check them out. Yeah, I, I'm suffering from anxiety. I can't find them anywhere, and I'm I'm starting to freak out a little bit i got to have them in front of me real quick so but well, we always that always happens to me that first day it's like where are they at how do i get them this and that when are they coming out but as you we're about 10 days out or something like that <clears throat> by the time the race runs we'll have been through those pps so much so meticulously we will know about it like the back of our hand win or lose right that's what happen. we'll know that we will know this stuff like we know our social security number so if you're listening, uh, we're going to have our big Breeders' Cup blowout hopefully early next week after the uh, post positions are drawn. And uh, we'd invite you to listen to, to uh, our conversation. Hopefully we'll pick out some winners and and hopefully have a good time next Saturday. If, uh, if we but, don't, the people that we're going to have on certainly will because we've got some Sharpies coming. So That's not including you and me, that's for sure. <laughs> Damn sure. Maybe Brandon's coming back at some point. <laughs> All yeah, right. let's go, Brandon. Let's get back on here. Let's go, Brandon. Okay, so in the meantime, in the meantime, uh, we've got a special guest. Uh, very excited about this. Uh, uh, been been looking forward to, to meeting this person uh, for a long time. So uh, without further ado, uh, our guest tonight is a local Kentucky training legend from our point of view. He didn't get the opportunity to work with the type of seven-figure bloodstocks or excuse me, bloodstock that sells at Keeneland every September, nor did he receive the blue-blooded babies that were bred by the stalwarts of the sport. But what he did get to work with, he made the most out of it. His best runners would make any trainer salivate. Those horses include grade one winners Brass Hat and Divisadero, and, of course, two-time Breeders' Cup filly and mare sprint winner Groupie Doll. In my opinion, one of the best female sprinters we've seen in these parts. I'm talking about none other than William Buff Bradley. Buff, how are you doing, sir? Sure. I'm good, thank you, and I appreciate you having me on. Uh, we're we're very honored. That, that's for certain. Uh, I want to lead off. Uh, I want to ask you how. When did the nickname Buff come along? Is it is it just purely based on your your stature, your physical, or your physique, or, or was it something else included in that? <laughs> uh, no, it was uh, my uh, brother started calling me Buffalo Bill at an early age when I was getting on horses. Um, they started throwing me on horses when I was two. <laughs> so I guess um, with that, buff, Buffalo Bill stuck, and it got shortened to Buff. Okay. Well, that that's interesting. I, I was would have bet every dollar in my wallet that it was uh, based on your physical stature. I, mm-hmm. you're, you don't look like somebody that, that's to be trifled with, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. So, Buff, you, you retired earlier this summer from training. Uh, how's uh, retirement treating you? Uh, what, what are you doing right now? Well, right now I'm uh, helping them out at Silver Springs Farm Training Center at uh, in Lexington um, and actually really enjoying it. I, I go there and work with a couple really good people with um, Kevin Noltemeyer, Joey, Casey, Michelle, just good people to work with over there and, and good horsemen. So it's um, good to see the horses. I used to do that a long time ago, breaking yearlings, and now seeing seeing their operation, it's it's nice to be there and being a part of it and kind of helping them oversee some stuff. I got you. So, Buff, uh, you and your family had quite a decent broodmare band at one time. I, I know uh, I'm thinking of – uh, off the top of my head, uh, town queen, uh, those those type of mares. Are you still breeding horses, or or, or did you give those up, or what, what's going on with the breeding operation? Yeah, my uh, long term business partner Carl Hurst and I, we still breed a couple. We bred one this year. Um, we bred the the dam of the player. Um, we bred her. She's in fold of Jimmy Creed, and she um, 
she is out of town queen and she's the first foal out of town queen herself. So, um, we're keeping those bloodlines going a little bit and, uh, and town queen, um, had her last foal this year and she was the first stakes mare that we had bred and, um, she's 23 now. And, uh, but she had a nice alternation, um, Philly this year. So we're excited about her too, but we've got, uh, We've got a few of the player babies that are yearlings now that we're breaking at Silver Springs and, um, and then another player weanling. And so we're, we, you know, we, we've really cut way back, but, um, we wanted to stay in a little bit. I understand. Are you hands on on the breeding operation or are you bored somewhere else or how does that work? Um, well, Right now, yeah, we've we've always uh, done our own, and um, we were able to, we you know we we did full brass hat and groupie doll and the player on on the farm. So it's it's been very cool to just to be able to raise them and and you know see them from the first breath they take to going on to winning grade one or stakes or breeders cups. <laughs> you know, it's been I think that was probably our proudest moment was being able to win the Breeders' Cup from from the very start. That's uh yeah, it's certainly remarkable what you all were able to accomplish. I mean, yeah, from the ground up. I mean, you, you guys uh, handle every facet of your operation. That's that's pretty impressive. I, I want to talk about the player real quick. Uh, how is he doing? I know uh, I. Re- uh, commend you all for for what you've done to to get that horse back to health i i know he's uh he's he's a a stallion now how how's he doing and and um where where is he uh yeah he's uh he's at um our farm right now but he will be moving to crestwood back to crestwood um next week um so he'll be there a little bit before the breeding season starts but um he's doing super i mean uh, his health is great. I mean, his leg is great. He, you know, you just got to stay on top of things of keeping his feet in the right order for him since, uh, he's got his ankle is fused and, and set. So it's, it's all fused together. So obviously that's going to change the gait of his walk jog or gallop in the field and how his foot hits the ground. So you have to, you know, we have a very good blacksmith that, uh, um, that we have take care of him. So that's probably the biggest thing staying on top of. But I mean, as far as everything else, you, you would never even know that anything ever happened to him. It comes down to a lot of good horsemanship, I, I would assume. That and that and a lot of luck and and I have to give credit to the horse too. I mean, I mean he was the perfect patient, the perfect horse for this opportunity. Um, he knows how to take care of himself. He's just one of the smartest horses I've ever been around. Uh, his, uh, we knew keeping him here in Kentucky, he wasn't going to breed many mares, and we don't have the funds to really support him like we would like to. But um, uh, we never really thought about, oh, we're going to stand him a stud when we when when he had this injury. It just came along a little later that we started to think about, you know, hey, we let's see what we can have out of him, have a couple of foals. And I know there was a little bit of interest out there, but uh, if he had gone to another state, I, I'm sure that he would have had uh, some, you know, more mares and some quality mares at that as well. Yeah. So, Buff, uh, you've got a training tree now, uh, as as good trainers often do. Now, a former assistant of yours is Chelsea Moisey, and of course we have we've had her on the podcast twice now. But she's a stakes winning trainer now. Do you take any special pride in uh, turning out successful young trainers? Well, I, I was very proud of her to be able to do that, and she was uh, very smart to to head to Delaware and go to some tracks where she could get some more business and i think this day and time you know trainers that are starting out need to go prove themselves at some of the uh smaller tracks so they can move on up to the bigger tracks and i think that's what she's doing and i think it's a smart move on her part 
yeah, she's definitely she's made all the right decisions so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're very happy for her. That's for sure. Uh, uh, Buff, let's talk about uh, some of your top horses. Uh, first of all, uh, we want to talk about Brass Hat. I know Alan's got a uh, he wants to ask you a question about Brass Hat. Alan, go ahead with your question. Yeah, well, it's more of a story, I suppose. Uh, Brass Hat's one of my favorites of all time. I mean, <clears throat> hey, mine too, Alan. <laughs> I had a feeling it might be. He made a couple dollars for you, didn't he? And when I say couple, I mean seven figures. Yeah. But but I would make it a point to go to Turfway maybe once a year. Okay, I live in Louisville, and I would make. I always I love Turfway Park, the old Turfway Park. A lot of people don't. I do. I would make it a point to go up there at least once during the winter. As you know, it's a cold, dreary winter up there at times. Correct. And yes, it is. <laughs> I looked at data. I, this one year I went in 2004. Okay. Uh, I looked at the day today. It was January 29, 2004. Just happened to go out on some random Friday or Saturday. I don't even remember now. And there was a maiden claiming race that day. It was a 15000 You probably know where I'm going with this, Buff. $15,000 maiden claimer. And mm-hmm. a horse, a first-time starter that day, ran second to the favorite. I don't remember who the favorite was. At about 30 to 1, correct, with the jockey named Deidre Panis, I believe. I yeah, remember that. That is correct. Like yesterday, I remember it like yesterday. I was like, I've never heard, and I, I know my jockeys. I did not know that jockey. And I was like, who's this horse for Buff? Because Buff never wins first time out, right? That's, that's the, that's, that's the, that's pretty thing. well known. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this horse just made one heck of a move in the $15,000 maiden claimer. I didn't think anything about it. And again, that's a 15000 maiden claimer at Turfway on a random January night. That horse was brass hat. And that horse elevated his game after that start and became the winner of the Don Handicap, the Indiana Derby, the Ohio Derby. What did he show you in that first start? Did he show you enough to think, hey, I may have undervalued him or this this horse, I, I need to pay attention. This horse is going to be really, really good. Did you, did you see that in that first start? Well, yeah, you know, I ran him for 15. So what do you yeah. think I saw before that first start? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not a whole lot. I mean, he, he never would beat a horse in the workout in the mornings. Um, you know, he's a homebred gilding, just turned three. Um, I really, he just was plain Jane to me. You know, he just, but you know, we, we liked him or what we had no problems with him, the soundness problems or anything, but we didn't. We didn't start early with our horses. That was my dad's horse. Um, we ran another horse in the same race with him. I didn't remember that. I remember it was cold his, as hell. I remember that. <laughs> his name His name was L. Armstrong. And okay. I liked him better. I bet on really? him. <laughs> he finished fifth, I think, or something. And he was life or death to win dollars a two for, for a nickel. <laughs> so <laughs> it shows you how, how smart I am. Um <laughs> So, but I, you know, I, I did learn my lesson and, and the next race we, we ran brass hat for a, a straight maiden. And he ran second, I believe. And then I think. He ran second and that was going long for his first time. And the jockey again did not, she said he's getting out. He couldn't, you know, he was making a, a lot of noise breathing. And I was like, well, I don't know what's up with him. And. You know, stuff that we didn't see in the morning, and I think he was probably just still a bit immature and and uh, just mostly in racing part of it. And we knew that we were going to have to probably, you know, just give him a little bit more time. But, you know, the race, the, the way it came up the next is that um, we weren't trying to sell him, but they came to us and asked us to uh, – Purchase a horse, and at that time they, I believe the price was sixty five thousand. And my dad said, "Sure, we need the money. You know, if if you can sell them, go on and sell them." And um, he did not pass the vet. Oh, uh, but they in the meantime, before he did not pass the vet, they had nominated him to the rushaway. Well, <laughs> this horse had never had a an issue. For us on the track, I mean, we just didn't didn't ever see it. Um, not to say that maybe there was something that was hiding there that potentially could have been a problem, but we there wasn't anything that we would go to and find because he didn't show us anything. So 
once he didn't pass the vet, they turned him down. They called me the day of the entries for the rushway stakes. And, um, I told my dad, I said, this race probably isn't going to be harder than a non-winners other than at Keeneland. And he should have already won a race. So I'd say, this is probably where he'd be running anyhow if he had won that last race. I said, so let's stick him in. He said, sure. And he broke his maiden there in the rush away. Yeah. And the rest of it goes on. And and throughout his nine-year his nine year you know, he he raced as a as a nine year old, one of one of the greatest stakes at uh Keelan at nine. But not to say that he didn't have his problems and that made me know right then that uh going to these sales and looking at vet reports, you've gotta take all of that in consideration of what could be a problem and what a horse goes through. Um he went you know, I I never even knew what problems were because until he had a problem, did we start X-raying him? I mean, there wasn't right. anything that was popping out at us, and nobody else would have thought so until they had um, wanted to do a pre-purchase exam. So after the rush away, I mean, you get a stakes winner. That's probably about a hundred thousand, I'm guessing. Back then, I'm, I'm assuming maybe yeah, it was a hundred thousand. So we got sixty thousand. Which is what you wanted to begin with, and you kept the horse. Yeah, so now it's a free horse. (laughs) Yeah. And so at that point, I mean, still, the rushway's nice, but it's not Don Handicap nice. It's not uh, going to Dubai and running second in the World Cup nice. At what point did you, did you, did the light go on? It's like the light went on for the horse, and you knew you actually had something truly special. Was it after the rushway or? Actually, yeah. more signs after, in the morning? After, after the rushway, because he was not nearly mature enough for that. I mean, I just, I mean, looking back, I'm thinking, geez, he, he just ran the race of a lifetime for a horse that's not mentally really ready for that, you know. And, um, and the rushway did come up a little tougher than the non-winners other than at, at Keeneland, but I thought, well, we're just, we're going to run anyhow and see. And, um, yeah, they just, you know, I, I think, uh, what really showed me the most was probably the Ohio Derby um, race where he just, you know, he he really knew. I knew that right then he could compete with the, he was as good as any three-year-old at that time of the year. Triette's honor is on the lead and Pallet's vision is right up his throat, latched to challenge. Outside comes Brass Hat, everybody else has dropped back. Limehouse is in So I'm, I'm looking at his. Uh, I, wrote, I jotted down some of his because it's hard. He had so many accomplishments. It's hard to remember them all. He won the Mass Cap at Suffolk Downs. Mm-hmm. He won the Don Handicap at Gulfstream. That's a Grade One. He won the New Orleans Handicap in Louisiana. That's a Grade Two, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Indiana Derby is a Grade Three or a Grade Two. The Ohio Derby is probably, I guess, it's a Grade Three back then. Uh, this horse was well traveled. Dance every danced. Uh, I think he won. Did he win the Louisville Handicap too, or? Am I thinking of when he, somebody he else? He ran third in the Louisville handicap. That's a mile and a half on grass. He, uh, won, I mean, he won it in 2009, right? I thought he won it. Yeah. 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 And then, but that was, uh, yeah, and then he came back and ran third in it. It's yeah. an amazing career. That's why, that's why <laughs> I asked CC if I could talk about Brass Hat. The horse ran for seven, eight, nine years, started out as, you know, on a January night at Turfway, and you blossomed into a, I think the horse, Earned over two million, is that right? And that's back in that t- at that that's time. That's right, two point one million, and, and I'd say probably the highlight races were, were you know, were the um, Grade One Don Handicap, where he broke the track record and was wide most of the way on a very off track, um, and that was my first Grade One win. So obviously uh, that was fun to experience with my father. Yes. Uh, um, probably the the other. Two races that are most memorial with him are is the um, the allowance race at Churchill Downs off a year layoff. Yeah, uh, he broke the track record and beat student council by nose, and I was just amazed then. You know, it, it uh, at his talent at that time and coming back and coming back after injury after injury, 
uh, you know, the vets told me, they said, well, he'll, he can come back, but he might not be as good as he once was. And I said, no, it gets better. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then I, I think probably one of the funnest races was at, uh, in the Sycamore at, uh, Keeneland at, at age nine. I mean, we had a winter circle out on the turf course. We had more people come for a winter circle in the main winter circle. And it was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Musketeer, Southern Anthem, and Brass Hat coming forward. Musketeer short lead, Southern Anthem, then Brass Hat far outside. How about Brass Hat, nine years of age, $2 million winner, and he takes the grade three Sycamore Stakes for Calvin Borrell. And, and again, that's a mile and a half on turf at nine years old. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I mean, the horse, they, so many different distances, so many different tracks, and just always, and came back from so many different layoffs and injuries. The horse is just amazing. And, uh, where is Brass Hat now? He's on my farm and, uh, he hangs out with, uh, his best friend and he, he, uh, he doesn't like it being in a different field with him or anything. I mean, they are right together all the time and his name's King of Speed. He won over half a million, another home friend right. of ours. Uh, won like 20 something times. Uh, I didn't have him the whole time, but we had him and until his eight year old year and then he got claimed, but then we ended up getting him back at the end when he retired. Yeah. Uh, uh, I remember King of Speed very well. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, there, you've, you've got this stable of horses. Everyone knows everyone's asked you about. I wanted to ask you about Brass Hat and uh, cause it's just one of my favorites of all time. I'll kick it back to CC so we can touch on some of the other ones but i he, brass has happy right i'm glad to hear that yeah well you should come see him he's at the farm we we always take visitors there we're um we're very close into um opening up a uh, 501c and it's going to be called the brass hat foundation and um so we're going to be um I, i'm going to be doing that a little bit more taking retired horses and then retraining some horses and um so that's what we're looking to do, but uh, it's all it all started with Brass Hat. I tell you what, I will do that. It's a date buff because I actually work in Georgetown. I live in Little Work in Georgetown, so I pass by there all the time. Well, you, so you're, you're only a couple miles out of your way to stop by there and see them. Give them some. You got it, and brother. Peppermints. All right, the player is going to come see Brass Hat. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You don't have to ask twice. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, another uh, maybe your best. In my opinion, your best horse was Groupie Doll. Uh, I was going to tell you, uh, Groupie Doll in her fourth start won the Gardenia Stakes at Ellis Park. And I was there that day. And I remember uh, we sat in a box next to Billy Ashebringer. Mm-hmm. And we struck up a conversation with him and didn't realize, I think, I think his wife. His wife cool, worked for me at the time, was cooling was, out horses, yep. Okay, I thought I was thinking she was the bookkeeper or something like that, but okay. So yeah, we were we were striking up a conversation. He said, Hey, this uh groupie doll, you need to you probably need to bet her. She's she's good. I'm like but I looked at in the program and you know, four starts, she's a three year old filly facing older. Uh, you know, that pedigree was a little iffy. I was like, I don't know. And uh yeah, she went on to dominate that race. I think it's seven. And then they named the race after her. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they go on. They, yeah, they go on. Name the race after. I, uh, she was she was fantastic. I her two Breeders' Cup wins were incredible to me. I don't don't you think? I mean, she was uh, as I recall both both starts. She was wide, five wide, four wide yep. coming off the turn, and and mm-hmm. man, she just she was just all heart. Uh, give me uh, recall some memories of uh, of uh, Groupie Doll. Well, I, you know, as you were talking about in the Gardenia, she was the only three-year-old in that race that year. So it, I'm glad that they renamed it after her. That that was a great honor for them to do that. And Ellis Park was um, was my dad's home track. I mean, he was born and raised about 25 miles from there. So, oh wow, okay. Um, you know, Ellis Park, Dade Park, as he called it. Um, I have a picture of him in the winter circle at Dade Park in 1938 uh, with my grandfather. They were they were just in the winter circle. I guess they knew the owners. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was that was a great win. Um, the the Breeders Cups were very special. My father was uh, even in the first Breeders Cup was um, his health was starting to fail and. You know, you you want to see that and want to have 
fun with your father at, at that age and and with something that he always loved to do. It was very special. Um, and it, you know, the the following year when she came back and and had her second Breeders' Cup win, uh, he wasn't able to attend, but he was able to go to the the local uh, food place where everybody met him, and they had a big party there and uh, got to watch that. So, you know, I, I wish he had been able to make it for that year, but, you know, he was still, you know, he was able to go watch it and have fun with it anyhow. That's awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so after the second Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint, I know you, you sold her at auction. Was that a really hard decision to part with her? or I mean, is it just something, it's something you had to do? I mean, you, you got to strike while the iron's hot, right? Right. Well, I, you know, I remember, I remember the day she was fold, uh, me and my ex-wife, Kim, we, we fold her and, and I told her then, I said, you know, this is the one we've been waiting for. I had no idea that she's going to be a champion, but I, you know, out of that mare, I just wanted a nice big feeling. I said, I remember I said, we'll keep this one for a brood mare. Well, you know, ultimately I had to be the one to decide that we, we really need to put her in the cell um, and strike while the iron's hot. Uh, I knew I couldn't, I couldn't, and, and my partners couldn't really afford to breed her the way she needed to be bred. Um, we're very fortunate with, uh, who bought her and, and, uh, Mandy Pope. And she was, I knew that she would, you know, she was making a big broodmare band anyhow. So she was going to fit right in. And when Mandy purchased her, then that day, she asked us to go to New York and race her in the cigar mile. And I said, sure, I'd love to train her. And, and she wanted her to. She wanted to, her to go out a winter as well and under her silks. And um, we ended up accomplishing that, but not in the Cigar Mile. She had a very troubled trip in that race. And we gave her a, a bit of time off and then brought her back for the Hurricane Birdie uh, uh, at Gulfstream Park in February for her final career start. And I still think it's probably one of her top three races that she ran. It was just an amazing race that day. She um, uh, she broke last and was probably trailing the field ten lengths, going six and a half furlongs, and she won by seven, uh, being eased down, and was about two fifths of, of a second off the track record. And it was a, it was an amazing race. And while it wasn't a, a real strong field, the way she did it was very impressive. And Probably the biggest race that I still think that I've had in my career was the day she won on Derby Day, um, on Kentucky Derby Day, mm-hmm. uh, when she broke the track record in the Humana Distaff. And, um, Rajiv, who rode her beautifully every time, just, he, you know, he just sat on her and she just drug him up there and she won, uh, by open links that day. Yeah, I'm looking at the chart right now. She beat Musical Romance. Alan, didn't did Musical Romance win the Philly yeah, Mare Sprint she, the year before? Is that yes, right? Yes, that's, that's yes, correct. That better. Yeah, that better that year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she won. Yeah, so Groupie Doll beat her seven and a quarter lengths, one one twenty yeah. and two fifth seconds. New track record that day. I remember. Right. I remember the track. The track was fast though, but uh, yeah, man, she blew the doors off that bunch. Yeah, Switch was in there as well. I, I think, think uh, she was. Uh, so they ran the same distance uh, a race or two later, and Shackleford ran uh, won that race, but he was a second slower than yeah. her time. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> Check this field out though. Yeah, I mean, you got Sassy Image. I think Dale Romans trained her back in the day. Yes, yes, that's and true. Salty Strike is that Cassie? Mark McPeak Cassie. is it? Is it McPeak? McPeak, you're right. That's McPeak. Yeah, that was a. That's a, a big field. Yeah, she blew their doors off. That was awesome. I remember that. I, I may have been there that day on Derby Day. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she, I mean, when she was, when she got good, she was outstanding. I, that was a, that was the first of a five race win streak. Excuse me. I'm sorry. No, she won the Madison at Keeneland. That was the first of a five yes. race win streak. She won the Humana Distaff. Then she was off three months, four months to the Master Stakes. That was on uh, Synthetic at Presque Isle. 
Mm-hmm. And then she won the uh, the TCA at Keeneland, and then she won the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint that year. That was a heck of a year. <laughs> Hell of a resume. And then, to top it off, she ran second to, I believe, Stay Thirsty. Let me see here. Yeah, yeah she did. Second. She got beat a nose. And got I, beat a I nose still don't think that, I don't think the photo camera angle was correct in that race. <laughs> yeah. I never do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is incredible, man. That, that Philly, I, I remember it. She... She's one of those rare horses just bring a smile to your face. I I I put her, I hold her in regard the same regards as I do like a Wise Dan or, or one of those horses. You know this. She the, she really had a lot of class about her. She's she was just a a fun filly and mare to be around. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, uh, Alan, you got anything else? Uh, yeah, I got a couple of quick questions along those along those lines. Uh, number one, give me his. The favorite, heavy favorite in the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint next week. She won it last year. So she's going to try to go back to back. Would Groupie Doll beat Gamine? <laughs> I, I've always liked, I, you know, I would think so. I, I do I mean, too. I just think, I, I think she's just, she's got so much heart, you know, and, and when, and in her second Breeders' Cup, when she won, she beat Judy the Beauty. And you know, Judy the Beauty came back the next year and won the Breeders' Cup, the Philly Mare Sprint. So it just, um, I think she was, she ran against the best too. I really do. I think she, um, uh, I think she had so much heart and she had so much speed and talent to, to do it. And, and some of the races, like I said, the, the race that she wanted, the Hurricane Birdie and just right off the track record. I mean, I could see a couple of times that she could have broken the track record had, had we'd even, asked at all and not that i was trying to break a track record but i mean she was that close every time without being asked and yeah. and i mean that humana distaff you go back and watch that you know and and rajiv just easing her up at the wire and she still you saw the time 120 and point forty four or something and you know that was pretty impressive yeah and you know gamine hasn't actually been facing the toughest competition this year babe. and her trainers initials are bb and Groupie Doll's <laughs> trainers' initials are BB, and I think most of America would be rooting for this BB to beat. I mean, that's just me, but uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's yeah, that's neither here nor there. I would think the majority of the America would be thinking that. Uh, but we touched on the uh, winning the distaff for Groupie Doll at on Derby Day. Derby Day was actually a pretty damn big day for you uh, for a couple of years. What? Where everyone else in, in the state is looking forward to the Kentucky the race in the Kentucky Derby. You had tremendous success back to back on the race before the Derby. If, mm-hmm. if you know where I'm going with this, yes. uh, back to back grade ones. And I'm guess that this race has changed its name so many times. But I'm, I'm assuming it's the Woodford Reserve both times you won, correct? It was the Woodford Reserve both times. Actually, he won the American Derby on Derby Day, uh, on the grass for three year olds. Uh, so three times three, he, he won on Derby Day three years in a row. That is amazing. So, uh, which of course we're talking about Devisadero. We're talking about Devisadero who, and as I mentioned a little while ago, the, if you're a horse player, you know certain things about trainers, uh, trainer intent and you know that Buff Bradley doesn't win first time out. That's something everybody knows. It's not a knock. It's just, it gives his horse a race except for Devisadero, right? Devisadero won first time out going two turns. I said, anytime and, I win with a first timer, you better, that horse is going to turn out to be some kind of good horse. <laughs> yes. Uh, we all, and again, those of us who know that, hey, I got to watch this horse. And then here, lo and behold, three years in a row winning, uh, stakes races on Derby Day, two of them grade ones. Uh, Derby Day had to be just, have, have you giddy, I would think, uh, for a different reason than most other people, because you knew you were going to go bag a big stakes that day, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, there were several years there in a row that we uh well including the groupie doll uh that we we did have a lot of fun it was uh a lot of fun on derby day for us and i couldn't even tell you who won the derby that year because i was Doesn't already matter. in i was already in celebration mode i can imagine uh divisadero uh end up over two million in earnings correct is that fair to say you know off the top of your head i don't think he won two million but he won over a million i know that i won over a million with him and then he went on and raced for another trainer for a bit and did win a race so i'm not exactly sure what his total earnings were i i do have a breeding right to him so i do have a fold bomb this year oh really Mm -hmm. Oh, oh uh who's the uh who's the mother 
It's a Philly that uh, is uh, by Yankee Gentlemen. So. Oh, okay. So spreading on the turf, maybe I don't know, just because I I would wonder it's, how that would work out. It's gonna be out. turf. <laughs> it's gonna be turf. Oh, I know it's gonna be turf. Uh, but, but yeah, that had to be. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But did you train uh, Davisadero when he when he ran in the uh, Breeders' Cup mile at Churchill? I no. forgot about that. That was the okay. That was after. That was after mm-hmm. you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't hurt my record in the Breeders' Cup yet. <laughs> what is your record? And now, now I think it's got to be pretty pretty impressive. What is yeah, it? Breeders' know? Cup is two and two. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that's pretty. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty good ROI there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ellis Park. Yeah, you mentioned Ellis Park a moment ago. I didn't realize that your dad had been going to Ellis Park that long. And anyways, we mentioned people, and now now their signature race is named after your horse. And you know you grew up there and you spent a lot of time there. How's that? I mean, that's got to feel great, right? Where you spent so much of your childhood, your dad spent so much of his childhood there, his yes. formative years, and now the signature race is your horse. It's a full circle kind of deal, right? Yeah, Ellis Park has been good. You know, it was very good to our stable throughout the years when we we were um, leading trainer there for four years. So, and then and to have the race named after us, it was really yeah, that was really special. And, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of the, a lot of your big horses. Everyone knows the, the ones we've mentioned, Groupie Doll, DeVisadero, uh, Brass Hat, The Player. But are there, are there some other lesser-known horses to the general public that are special to you in, in the same regards as uh, those monsters? Do you have any, like, you know, under-the-radar guys that are really special? You know, I guess, um, you know, I'll, I'll love Mar, really. Uh, you know, I think uh, probably my first uh, stakes winner is the one that I bred with um, – uh, my father and and longtime business partner Carl Hurst, uh, you know, was town queen, and she was um, she was out of the mare that uh, really started producing um, nice stakes horses for us. So uh, I have to say that she was probably one of the ones that uh, helped start it too. You know, you guys mentioned town queen a moment ago, and I'm I'm glad you brought it back up because one of the things. I would, as a Kentucky horse player, anytime I would see the mayor, Town Queen, I would bet that horse because mm-hmm. I know that how many, how many winners at Town Queen throw? 10, 12? It's, it's a bunch. Oh, yeah. She, she's thrown a bunch and, um, I hope she's still throwing more. Uh, you know, her in, in recent years here was a few years ago was the, uh, Philly that she produced, Divine Queen, who I yes. love. Uh, yeah. what a classy Philly she was and she won a couple of stakes at Churchill. So she was a racehorse. I mean, she was, she truly was, and she was the sales topper for the day at the Keeneland sale last year. Oh, really? In the November sale, she, she brought 270,000. And, um, and I just learned too that, uh, she's in full to tap it right now. So oh my. Oh. I'm glad that somebody bought her that could breed her that, you know, there's, I would be looking for a $5,000 stallion because that's what I, I would have. And, um, you know, I'm I'm glad that she she went to somewhere where they could afford to, you know, really breed her up a little bit. Uh, CC, can we put stable mail in for a horse that hasn't raced yet? Uh, <laughs> this tap it by the out of the Divine Queen. Can we can we do that? For, I don't know for, for a horse that hasn't been born yet. I'm I'm looking yeah. at Town Queen's uh, project. Oh, here. runner after runner. It's uh, that was an automatic play for me. The only time I didn't play a Town Queen was when Divine Queen won a Churchill at fifty to one. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm able missed. to uh, right now. We have a um, uh, Philly at Silver Springs that we're training, uh, two-year-old Philly that is out of town queen, stage queen. And, uh, she had a very slow start, um, getting going. Uh, she, she, um, the milk was not good on the mare that year on town queen. And we had to wean her off of her and spent a lot of money saving this Philly. And she's, she didn't grow as fast as we had hoped. And so she's on the smaller side, but she's, you know, she's training now and um, just now starting to gallop. So, I mean, she's, she's down the road a little bit yet, but uh, you know, we're excited for her still. And, um, and then as I said, the, the alternation Philly that she had this year. Cool. Cool. That is outstanding. Well, Buff, we'll uh, wrap things up here. Uh, I do have one more question for you. Is there any chance, any chance in the future that you might be able to get back in the training game? No, 
<laughs> I, I um I mean I love training. I I really do. I love I love the horses. I have not lost my passion for uh being around horses and watching them develop and that was always my thing in training. I was never a claiming trainer. I wanted to get young horses and develop them and and I still enjoy that. I think I got so much satisfaction out of that and watching them grow up. It's just really neat. Um even now <laughs> The riders at Silver Springs think I'm crazy because I'm showing them pictures of the uh, the yearlings they're getting on. I'm showing baby pictures of them, you know, so <laughs> they probably think I'm crazy. But, uh, you know, it's uh, I love watching them uh, grow and mature. It's that that's the biggest fun for me. And, it, you know, I love the training part and and the, the people at the track, you know, love it. But uh, the game has changed and and there's. Uh, the mega trainers, what they call now, and the super trainers, I think they, they have, they've hurt the business a bit. You know, they've yes. really, they really have. And and I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about the guys that are doing it. I mean, heck, that's what you got to do. You know, and um, you know, they're uh, some of them are my friends. They're good people, but th- it's what's hurt the game. And and I don't necessarily think that they're they personally did it, but I think that's what is is the biggest problem in the game right now. And, um, how could you resolve that? You know, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of it, uh, falls on racetracks, um, allotting stalls. Um, I know that, that you can have in Kentucky though, you know, they could probably have fewer stalls and just have them at different training centers around. So I just don't really know how you can, do that but i think it hurts field sizes oh yeah um, because they have so many and and that and that 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 has a drawback all the way down you know as to the gambling and it hurts the owner for not getting to run because that trainer might have a better horse to run in that spot and so he doesn't get to run and you never know you know where you would have been so i you know i think it has a, a lot to do with the field size and that in that aspect where um and then and then we don't you know as it's been proven that gamblers don't bet on smaller fields as much you know they don't have that opportunity to um and the exotics the exotic bets so i think it hurts all the way down um with that but you know i wish i knew the answer and i wish they they could figure it out and um i'm sure that I'd like to be a part of trying to help figure that out too someday. Right, you'd be good at it. But you're right. What we have, we have super trainers, uh, for lack of a better word, and every condition that comes out in the in the condition book, they've got a horse, at least one horse that fits that condition, right? That's and, correct. Uh, and, and, it's, um, and or and two it, or three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and like I said, it's not it's not their fault. They're doing what they can because they're yeah. They want to have their best business too, so yeah. I, I think it's it's kind of ruined the the bottom level of the claiming game, like the nickel and the ten thousand claimers. Because without question, if I've got a nickel, you know, I'm a nobody. I've got a nickel claimer, and I've got to run against a horse that's dropping down from you know thirty thousand, forty thousand, you know, every single time, and there may be three or four of them, you know. It, yeah, it's possible. There's three like or that. four of them. That's the key. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And you yeah. know, you know, you're not just, gonna win. You're gonna you're run fourth win. or fifth, and where you should be in the you, you should be in the winner's circle with that kind of horse right. any natural right. time. And you know, I really feel that that is that is probably part of the problem. And for I think you're gonna see that it's not gonna get better too quickly here because you know people will um, trainers are trying to run where they can win, obviously, but. There's so many people that if if I got a ten thousand dollar horse and I'm going to run it for ten thousand dollars, and as we just talked about, those those other trainers are running their twenty thousand dollar horses for the ten thousand dollar level because the purses are so good. Which you, we want the good purses, but yes. it does have a drawback in that effect as well. Then you're going to get beat. You're going to run fourth or fifth. And you might get and, claimed. And you're going to get claimed. So yeah. how am I, and how am I as a small trainer with a 20 stall, 
you know, 20 horse stable going to compete against that and lose horses. And then if I keep trying to replace them, and as I stated earlier, I'm not, I wasn't really a claiming trainer. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to stay in business because I just didn't have fresh horses to come in every week. And that's what you would have to have. You'd have to have a stable somewhere else to keep bringing those horses in. And so I think that just drives out the smaller trainers. What about getting rid of the claiming system and maybe bringing in like a handicap system? I think like they do in Australia where you have horse auctions every so often, but, 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 you know, you, you, you won't get your stable gutted by running uh, in a certain level. Right. Um, and that's a very good idea. And I honestly have never thought of that. You know, it's, um, uh, but that would be something that might help. Um, because people don't, you know, if I don't want to lose my horse, my $10,000 horse, and I run it, run it up for 15000 I still might get claimed, but yeah. I know I'm not going to win. I know I'm, yeah. I mean, it's going to be very tough to be able to, to, uh, even get any money out of the race. You know, CC and I talk a lot about, cause we love Ellis Park too. CC is Ellis Park through and through, and we love it. And if, if it felt like we talked about a lot, it felt like, a lot of their lower level races this year kind of went by the wayside. Is is, is that our imagination? Do you feel like they had fewer lower no, level races? No, I, I I agree with you. And it, it kind of, and I think what we're talking about is part of symptomatic of it. There's a lot of bigger stables that moved in there, and it seems like a lot of the races were more written for those type horses and those type trainers or whatever. And I, I felt like we didn't see Absolutely. a lot of the, yeah. the Ellis Park yeah. specials. Yeah, the, and, the fun races, you know, the Carroll Cobbs and the, the Jerry Joe Greenwells and, and – uh, Gary House, those guys, you know, they, they're, they're, you just don't see them anymore in, in the, in the past performances. That, that's really sad because that, those, those races were fun to handicap. Those too. were, yeah, those were yes. fun. And you're right. I mean, I, I know all those names too, the people. It's, and it's sad that, you know, now you're not looking at that anymore. I mean, you're looking at what three, three guys down there probably. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um, and I would add, as a gambler, as a horse player, I think it hurts the payoffs because everybody plays a multi-race sequence or even an in-race sequence. They're going to use those same trainers, right? They're going to use yeah. those same trainers, so that waters down the payoffs, which I think makes we could scare some other betters away, which takes away some of the purse money. I think it's a lot a cyclical, banging your head against the wall kind of well, thing. You're right. We need I mean, to think I'm- about. How many people want to bet on, uh, the, the, you got two horses in there, you got Brad Cox, Steve Asmussen. How many people want to bet on that? Because they already yeah. know, you know, it's three to five and eight to five. And I mean, you're not going to leave them out. You're not going to leave them out of your ticket. You can't party. leave them out. You can't <laughs> yeah. leave them out. And, and it's going to hurt your exotics and it's going to hurt the whole thing. And, and you're exactly right. It, it does hurt. It does water down where you got a lot of betters just sitting out the race. Well, I'm not going to bet this race, you know. What's Cox going on Saratoga? Yeah, let's go to Saratoga see what's going on there. Mm-hmm. But we can – Buff, I think you'd be a great person to maybe – to get on a commission. Maybe I could get a commission or something to maybe look into this stuff. I think you'd be perfect for it, but I think we all know that. So – Keep some of our ideas in mind too. <laughs> Absolutely, I will. Yeah. You want to drop my name for the head of the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission? Just go ahead. Okay, I'll CC brought us two D's, two D's, <laughs> two D's. All right, I'll write that down. All right, guys, we'll let this good man uh, get back to his life now. Uh, Alan, anything else you want to add, or anything else uh, real quick you want to no, add? No, I just well, I want to say one thing, Buff. When we started this about a year and a half ago, or I don't know how long it's been a year, we. We like having the uh, we we like having the super guy. We like having that middle of the road, that that the person getting their first win, that jockey that gets their first win, those those uh, trainers that are not at, at that Todd Pletcher, Chad Brown level. Nothing against those guys. We, and you were at the top of our list from day one. Who we wanted to have on here. We, we uh, if well, we didn't know what you'd have done, we'd ask you a lot sooner. It really, well, it's been a, a pleasure for us. Well, I'm really humbled that you would even say that. And I, you know, I I. Uh, I say that Mike's success came from a lot of luck and a, a lot of good people working for me and working with a lot of good people. And it's, and I've always kept it that way where it's fun. And um, I've always tried to be that way with my employees, with my clients, you know, this is, this game is fun. It's a business, but you, you know, you want to have fun in it. It's, it's, yes. you know, it's, 
it's like uh my addiction is is that I want to have fun with what I'm doing in in life and and that's probably why I really had to get out because I wasn't having as much fun competing the way I was having to compete not that I didn't love my horses or my people that worked for me or my people that uh I trained for it was it was more the business part of it the way it's going and and I'm not trying to dog the business because I love the business and I want to stay in the business and I want to try to help be a part of of getting it in the right direction again and I mean it's going to take a lot of people to do that but you know that's that's what I want to do cool well uh, I hope you get to do it I'm I'm glad to hear that you're I'm glad to hear that. Well, Mr. Buff, uh, you're certainly a, a success story, especially especially in these parts. And uh, we wish you the best in uh, whatever you do. You decide to do in your second career. Uh, and and now I can approach you at Churchill or Keeneland or somewhere somewhere like that. I don't have any fear of you uh, maybe beating me up because uh, <laughs> I always assume that. Uh, Good uh, guy. Yeah, I thought you you earned the name Linebacker. Buff the hard way. So, <laughs> all right. So, no, yeah. I, I, and I do. I appreciate y'all having me on. I, I appreciate what you all do and, and, uh, and getting the, uh, the horse racing name out there and always keeping us in the positive, uh, way of thinking for everybody. You got it, man. We appreciate it. it sounds good. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, very happy that you joined us tonight. And, uh, oh, we, thank we, you. We I, you. No, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. All right. That's, uh, William Buff Bradley, the trainer of multiple Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint winner, Groupie Doll. And they're into the stretch in the mass cap, and Brass Hat has headed Fairbanks as they come into the final furlong. Dr. Pleasure is four lengths behind them. Brass Hat is in front with one furlong to run. Fairbanks cannot stick with him at the 16th pole. It is Brass Hat, and he's getting away from Fairbanks' lead. And Brass Hat and Willie Martinez 